And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Good morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and ask that you would reveal to us the things you desire us to learn and to live out in our life. I pray, God, that in this community we are able to love, support, care, encourage one another, that you would be tangible to people here and having them sense your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So back to the Gospel of Mark. Last time we were together, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the parable of the soils. And from that parable, we read that the seed is the Word of God, and that there are different ways that that seed is received. There are different soils. And you'll notice that all of them, all these different soils, heard the word, verses 15, 16, 18, 20 are the different soils, but only one soil had lasting benefits from the seed. Now, why is that? I think Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 gives us a fairly good answer to that. It reads this, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. So we see that all four soils heard, but only the good soil reaped the lasting benefits. So we know that hearing alone does not yield benefits. Now with that kind of a backdrop, let's look at verse 21. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, and not a stand? So we know that the parables unveil the kingdom of God and the ones who truly understood these parables didn't simply just hear a story. They lived as people who realized the unveiling of the kingdom of God. In verse 21, Jesus asked this rhetorical question that, you know, you wouldn't waste the oil in a lamp just to hide the light from the lamp. That's not what it's for. A lamp's light is to put in a place so that the light can shine. It's really, really obvious. The kingdom of God has been brought to us in the person of Jesus, and it's not to be hidden. Unfortunately, many 
tried to put Jesus under a basket, including his own family and the religious establishment. And a reason he spoke in parables is that many would be really furious if they truly knew what Jesus taught about the kingdom of God. Rome would be furious that Jesus spoke about another overruling the empire. And those expecting Messiah would be furious because the way that they thought Messiah would come would be very different from what Jesus actually taught. Even after his resurrection and return to his disciples, his disciples still didn't fully grasp what Jesus was doing. They still had some expectations that were off. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 6. And this is what they asked Jesus. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, this is not a bad question. But it's a question revealing that they didn't really understand the parable of the soils and how the kingdom of God was going to be unveiled. As the book of Acts moves on, we see the disciples grow in their understanding of the kingdom of God. But many expectations were not met with Jesus because many Jews had different ideas of how Messiah would establish his kingdom. We know from last week that the secret of the kingdom could be decoded in Jesus and only by faith, by trust in him, that that secret would be unveiled. We know that Jesus said revolutionary things. He did miraculous things, but many didn't understand his parables. And there wouldn't be understanding without faith, especially at his death. At the cross, without faith, no one would believe that Jesus was Messiah because how can that be Messiah? Dying there, bludgeoned, bloody. You see, that's not their picture of Messiah. And there's the same lack of understanding today as to who Jesus is, even though many have heard what he taught and what he did. That without faith, it's impossible to believe the Bible. Verses such as 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, which is written, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And so the question would be similar. How can that be? How can that first Timothy Jesus be Messiah? I mean, one mediator, really one, who gave himself as a ransom for all? And then there would be our expectations of God and of Jesus, which may be off. And so those expecting Messiah in Jesus' day expected a king who would overthrow the oppressors, the tyranny of the Roman Empire, delivering them from all of their pain and their suffering and their oppression, not understanding that the kingdom of God is not instant. It's like the parable of the soils. Question for us. What false expectations do we have of God? Of the kingdom of God? Verse 22. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now let's take a look at John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. It reads this. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of this only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Then Jesus said to pay attention. Mark 4, verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. See, this is more than just hearing audibly. It's gaining an understanding that transforms our lives. That the realities behind what is veiled in Jesus' parables actually become reality for us. That we live in the kingdom of God here and now with Jesus reigning on the throne here and now. Not for us to wait for death to experience the kingdom of God. It's not something we wait for. It's something to be experienced now, living in this unveiled reality in the present. Pay attention to what you hear. Why? Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. More than hearing audibly, it's true understanding so that it leads to a transformed life, that there will indeed be measurable evidence of God in your life. Pay attention to what you hear. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 43. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. He also said in John chapter 8, verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 25. Back to Mark chapter 4. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. We've all heard this phrase. We've probably used it. Use it or lose it. We know that phrase. And it's a truth that applies to so many things. Just plug it in, right? Languages, physical fitness, musical instruments, sports, Pretty much everything this applies to except riding a bike. I don't know why it is, but you you can ride a bike. I don't know. But we put effort towards skills to get better at them. We do that to get quicker, to get stronger, to be able to do more challenging things within that thing. And when we don't put effort into things... We don't stay where we're at. That's not how it works. We get weaker. We get slower. We are unable to do things we used to be able to do. It's the same truth spiritually. It's the same thing. And we can hear all we want, but if we don't put what we hear into practice, it just doesn't get stronger. It just doesn't work better. And we can listen to all the music that we want. But we won't be able to just pick up an instrument and play the music. You can't do that. Olympics just passed by. I'm fascinated by pole vaulting. (laughs) And no matter how much we look at pole vaulting, you can't do it. 
here's another thing that I love and I know that I won't be able to do. I love Korean dramas. <laughs> and no matter how much I watch them, I'll pick up a phrase here and there and stuff like that, but I'm not going to be able to have a conversation in Korean. And so we can hear a lot of things without it changing us if hearing is all we do without understanding what we're doing and without practice. And we know we'll lose what we don't use. The more we use what we have, the more we're going to be able to take on. And we get stronger the more weight we lift. We make progress in whatever we do the more we put effort into those abilities. So... When we look at the Christian life, we can't live however we want. We can't contradict what the Bible teaches. Disregard the word of God. Just hear the Bible but not be changed by it. And believe that we're going to grow spiritually in the kingdom of God. It doesn't work that way. That's a reason why there are people who don't benefit from their way of living in the kingdom of God. That is a reason the spiritual capacity of some people don't grow. The more we submit to the kingdom of God, the more we'll grow in it. Pay attention to what you hear. Truly hearing the word of God is more than just moral living. It is more than intellectual stimulation and just knowing church history and apologetics and prophecies and things like that. It's more than just feelings. It's more than just our emotional outpouring when we're worshiping. It is a changed life more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And if you don't have that, it's not working. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Our capacity to receive from God increases the more we practice the things we have received from the Lord. It's how you increase your musical, physical, artistic, language, intellectual capabilities, all of that. You made progress in what you do well right now because of what you've been doing. Starting with the little that you've had. And it's all attributed to the grace of God. All of it. Now I know that we're all predisposed to many of our capabilities. I know that. If both of your parents were professional athletes, there's a higher likelihood that you will be talented in sports. There's a likelihood. And it's not just genetics that predispose us to capabilities and expectations. For example, the percentage is greater to go to college and to graduate college if both of the parents have college degrees, right? That, that's just how it is. And so it's genetics, it's surroundings, it's environment, it's culture, ethnicity, so many different variables in what plays into who we are. So imagine this. All of those who expected Messiah who had expectations, who had their own predispositions as to how they're going to look at Messiah as king and how the kingdom of God was supposed to look like. 
And so their surroundings and their cultures and who they grew up around and their ethnic identity, the spiritual environment of Israel, all of that played into the expectations of the Messiah and the kingdom of God. And given all their history, identity, spirituality, being under the thumb of the Roman Empire, and those expectations that a political revolution was going to happen, a national restoration was going to happen, And then who showed up? A carpenter. That dude shows up. Jesus shows up. Like, what in the world? He's going to lead us into overflowing the Roman Empire? Are you kidding me? And because naturally people look with their predisposition. They look at other people's capabilities. And so you look at Jesus. And you're like, We know who his parents are. No way. We know where he was educated from. Nothing can come out of Nazareth that's good, right? And so he's poor. Like what kind of political backing does he have? What kind of financial backing does he have? This guy doesn't have anything. A bad reputation, a bad education, a bad all this other stuff. And on top of all of this, Rather than inciting political revolution, rather than rallying national restoration, what does Jesus do? This guy, he tells stories. He tells stories. He's not out there like a zealot, rallying people, getting them excited. Yeah, let's, let's take them over. He talks about a mustard seed. Like, what the? Are you kidding me? So in chapter 4, we have this selection of parables. Now allow me to jump ahead to verses 33 and 34, and then we'll circle back to verse 26. 33. With many such parables, this guy told lots of stories. He spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. So obviously we don't have all of the parables. We just have like a little taste of the parable. It's like dim sum, right? You just, a little bit. You just, just a selection. And these couple of verses, they summarize how Jesus taught using parables and explained everything to his disciples. Jesus spoke as they were able to hear it. Not beyond them, not underneath them. Now, back to this idea of predispositions and expectations of the kingdom of God. Everyone has them. Everybody has them. And everyone uses them. And so the same thing as people back then, they used them, they looked at Jesus in a certain way, and so there Jesus was, who revealed to them the secret of the kingdom of God, which was found in him. And they're like, what? The secret to the kingdom of God is found in the works, words, and person of Jesus, but not everyone heard that. Because they're looking at him like, there's no way that you're a king. They couldn't see him as a king. Because he's not what they expected. He didn't have a noble name. There's no army. There's no crown. There's no throne. There's no palace. He didn't have what people expected a king to have. And only by faith would one be able to see past the physical. Past the social. Past the political. And then see a king. Only by faith. Without faith, there's no way to see Jesus as king because he doesn't have any kingly stuff on him. And so the same applies today. 
It's very challenging for people to see Jesus as king of the kingdom of God. And his own family had issues with accepting this. The religious establishment, those you'd expect would be able to identify God when God showed up right before them, right in front of their face, couldn't recognize Jesus as king. That it's only by faith. It's only by faith that we can see Jesus as king. Now let's look at this next parable. Back to verse 26. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now what happens here is really mysterious. It's mysterious to the sower because the sower has nothing to do with this. All the sower did was scatter the seed. He just scatters it. But how it sprouts and grows, he doesn't know. See, sowing seed is uneventful. Imagine, you're just doing this, and it's routine and methodical, and a lot of seed is wasted, and a lot of it won't sprout, and a lot of it won't grow, and the seed that does, you don't hear it. You don't really notice much of anything that's happening under the ground. The only thing that you notice is once it comes out of the ground and you just wake up one morning and you see a little green sprout. But other than what happened with the little green sprout, you don't see anything. And the sower didn't make it grow. The sower scattered the seed, the word of God, and then isn't involved until the end, the harvest. Ultimately, It's God who sprouts, who grows that seed in someone's life. Now we may scatter the seed and we might not see anything come out of that in our lifetime. Or in the span of time we're in relationship with a particular person that we've been scattering seed to. And many of us are like Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Here's a story, John chapter 3 of Nicodemus. Let's start in verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Gross. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There's mystery in faith, isn't there? And then comes this really well-known parable, Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds of the earth. And when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This is a 
parable of juxtaposition between the insignificant beginning of things and these really, really impressive end results. That from a grain of mustard seed to this big old plant that provides a habitat to animals. Now what's impressive is not this little seed itself, but this mystery, the wonder behind this seed. Now let's turn to what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in regards to sowing and this mystery and the wonder of what happens to the seed. 1 Corinthians 15 starting in verse 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? You foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same. But there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ in glory. So is it with the resurrection of the dead? What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory." Picture of the seed, insignificant beginning, glorious ending. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. And so here's this picture Jesus paints in this parable of the mustard seed. Starts out insignificant. Turns out something wonderful. Now you can go in all different sorts of directions with this parable. You've probably heard many, many different teachings as to what this parable means and all this kind of stuff. And we can all gather together and say, what does this parable mean to you? And we can come up with all these awesome life lessons and good wisdom with one another with what this parable means to us. But that wouldn't be the point Jesus is making. What was the secret about the parable of the soils? We have to go back to that. What was the secret of the parable of the soils? That through Jesus would the kingdom of God be unveiled to his people. That's the secret. What were all the parables Jesus taught earlier in chapter 4 about? It's about the kingdom of God. So... If you look at this mustard seed parable in any other way and it doesn't go back to the kingdom of God, you're off. You've missed the point of the parable. It has to go back to the kingdom of God. So all the life lessons and wisdoms, they are life lessons and wisdom. That's all they are. But they're not necessarily biblical. It has to go back to the kingdom of God. So in the beginning, this mustard seed is insignificant. A sower could scatter thousands of mustard seed, right? In one handful, you can hold thousands of mustard seeds. And each individual seed is insignificant. It seems insignificant. But what eventually happens, some of those seeds grow. And they grow big. Like the kingdom of God. 
at first, it seemed insignificant. Jesus Christ, carpenter, born of an unwed teenage mom, poor, has nothing. And then you look at the ultimate triumph. And we're still kind of living in it. It's not ultimately there yet. We're still moving. And whenever looking at the growth of plants and branches and the birds of the air in the Old Testament, what is that about? It's about the rise and the fall of kingdoms. I'll give you an example. Daniel chapter 4. This is about King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the Babylonian Empire. And he thought, you know, I am a bad dude. And I am going to rule over everyone. And so he has these dreams. And this is what the prophet Daniel interpreted for him. And so here's this dream in Daniel chapter 4. He has this dream of this tree. Really great heights and it became strong. It was visible to the ends of the earth. The whole earth could see it, right? Verse 11, chapter 4 of Daniel. It had these beautiful leaves. It had abundance of fruit. And this fruit was food for all. Beasts found shade under this tree and birds lived in it, right? Verse 12, then a holy one came down from heaven and said to chop down the tree, lop off the branches, strip the leaves, scatter the fruit. And so the beasts and the birds, they would flee from this tree and just the stump would be left and it would be bound with a band of iron and bronze and just kind of be there with the grass of the field and the wet dew would just kind of be on it, and the mind would be changed from a man's mind to that of a beast. And so Daniel interpreted that dream to King Nebuchadnezzar and told him kind of sheepishly that you're the tree, that you would dwell amongst beasts and eat grass, that you would be wet with that dew. And then Daniel counseled the king in verse 27 Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. See, kingdoms, they rise and they fall. World powers rise and fall. And it has been so throughout all of history. And so at this time in Mark's gospel, we have the people of God living under the Roman Empire's tyranny, one of the most powerful and influential empires of all time. Where are they now? Rome has fallen a long time ago. Now back in this day, the idea that Christianity would have taken off and become what it has become in world history, that would have been a joke. But do you see that that's the kingdom of God? That that is the mustard seed. That's what it is. That's what the kingdom of God is. That's what Christianity is. The kingdom of God revealed in Jesus, it began as this insignificant mustard seed. It continues to be unveiled more and more and more to this day. And so you imagine the early church persecuted for their faith. And they look back to this parable of the mustard seed that Jesus taught, that this parable is true. If someone who lived 2,000 years ago can step into today, they would see all of this. That's the beauty of what we have today. We can look back in history and see all of this. They didn't live to see it, but we can see this. God will fulfill his promises and his purposes. Do you see how God's word is true? 
And since it is true, I do wonder how much longer the United States remains a world power. I wonder what would happen if we would listen to the prophet Daniel. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Maybe. Making this more local as a church community and personal as to what each one of us is doing individually. Are we breaking off our sins by practicing righteousness? You know, going back to use it or lose it, right? Practicing righteousness. It's not just going to happen. The righteousness doesn't just happen. And we have to actively break off sins by practicing righteousness? Are we breaking off our iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed? Use it or lose it. How are we doing these things? Now back to chapter 4, verse 24. Pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to what you hear. With what measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Now here's the what and the how. Here's something that I also want us to consider is why. Why? Why would we even consider practicing righteousness and showing mercy to the oppressed? Well, we're part of the kingdom of God starting from a mustard seed over 2,000 years ago with the arrival of Jesus incarnate. So when we think of why, because we are the present day manifestation of the kingdom of God, of that mustard seed becoming this huge old plant providing nourishment and shelter for those who come into its branches. And we are that. The mustard seed was planted 2,000 years ago. We are part of this story. God's kingdom is already here. We are part of that unveiling. That is why. It is alive. So how are we breaking off our sins by practicing righteousness and our iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed? We can get caught up really easily in all of these political sparring matches that are going on today. And Pastor Steve's message was really timely last week. And lose sight that nations rise and fall. And God's kingdom will ultimately triumph. And that victory is found in Jesus, which started as a little mustard seed. But we can track it throughout history, and then what it's going to be. In how we practice righteousness and show mercy to the oppressed, may we remember that we are part of this greater, mysterious, wonderful, faithful work that started a long time ago that was really insignificant in the eyes of the entire world. Jesus, a carpenter, are you kidding me? And just like a mustard seed, while the plant grows, we are part of this manifestation of the kingdom of God by providing nourishment and protection and shade 
from the unrighteousness of the world to serve the oppressed of the world. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Father, we desire to repent as a church for ways that we have misrepresented you. For not practicing righteousness and breaking off sins. For not breaking off our iniquities by looking at the oppressed and what we are doing for them. So God, may this be more than just another sermon that we can just kind of take notes on and forget about. May this be more than just the conviction that we feel right now. May this actually be something that we use and get stronger in. Otherwise, as your word says, more or less that we're going to lose it. And so we ask God for more. We ask for more of that ability, more of those things to help us be stronger and more caring and more loving to do more and reach out as a branch for your kingdom, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.